Welcome today. This is a Sunday and I believe it is June. What day is it? Like June 5th or 6th? And um, this is Aisha Elliott and this is Black Girl from Eugene. And I also want to say we are simulcasting on 97.3 KEPW local radio station. So hello everybody who is watching us and listening to us. I appreciate your weekly um, attendance to my show and letting me know how you um, are enjoying it. That really makes a huge difference to how things go down. So, hi, everyone who's on my Facebook Live. Please say hello. Let's get to talking. Hey, Daddyo. So, um, yeah, this is a little different today because I'm going to keep it short and I'm going to keep it sweet. But before I uh, get started, I want to give an announcement that my nonprofit. Uh, formerly known as Black Gold Culture Camp, is now known as Kids for the Culture, and it is Black-centered, Black-led um, education, and we are doing summer activities for any child between um, the in middle school age and early high school, which means kids that are going into sixth grade and kids that are going into ninth grade, um, and even ninth graders who may be going to 10th grade that want to help out. Um, we are doing summer activities at a 100% scholarship and sliding scale otherwise. Um, there's actually no criteria, like just ask, tell us what you need. Um, and then in the fall, we're going to be doing, um, uh, we're going to be working in the schools, having conversations around race and, and efficacy and self-empowerment and self-identity. So it's going to be super amazing. And I invite everyone who knows anybody who might want to be involved Kids for the Culture is also looking for middle school folks who want to learn about leadership skills and be a part of our committees. And we have a programming committee where the middle schoolers are actually going to be helping program uh, what Kids for the Culture will be doing throughout the year. And so we are building that committee. So if you know someone who's extra excellent and wants to uh, be a part of the leadership, we are filling all the roles for the committee, meaning president, co-chair, secretary, and we're going to be teaching all those roles so they will have this, this skill set moving into high school. Um, and this is, again, for all children. Obviously, BIPOC kids will be prioritized, but this is, no, there's, this is not just BIPOC kids, although the curriculum and the conversation will be BIPOC-centered. Um, all right, that's that. And uh, if anyone does want a hoodie still, I still have them. And I actually ordered some bigger sizes. I've got one, some one X's. I've got some two X's. I've got one three X. So if y'all want a hoodie, Black Girl from Eugene hoodie, we've got them. We even have some T-shirts left. You just have to DM me, and I will hook you up. All right. So let's get started. All right, y'all. Look, y'all know I do race education and lecturing. I lecture um, at different businesses and and county entities and and universities, and I do all this, and I lecture about um, race and equity, and, and really I'm talking to white folks about understanding uh, white supremacist culture. So I, it's not a little bit, it's not a little bit that I've actually ran into this idea of walking into a space where um, someone has hired, wants to hire me. Someone is like super like, yeah, let's do this. Or not necessarily just me, colleagues of mine that are doing this work. And we they they would say yes we want to change we want we want our policies to be reflective of an inclusive language we want our our uh, practices to be reflective of a inclusive um, uh, practices we want more people of color to be working in our our our, our buildings and our in our 
agencies and in our programs, but yet we can't get people to come and we can't get people to stay. So that's like the common request, right? And so the, the number one thing I do, and I'm not speaking for all equity advisors, but one number one thing I do is I want to know what your actual personal investment is into the work. So they ask, you know, well, what is, what's going to be, what you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do in terms of like, what does the classes look like? What does the series look like? So then you start telling them what the series looks like. And so at that point, right, what they say and what they do is that they, they say, oh, well, we want, we definitely want to have, um, you talk to us about this, but we don't really want you to like talk to us about this. <laughs> we want you to, we, first of all, we're going to tell you how we can accept your information. We're going to tell you how we need you to, to speak to us about this information. We're going to tell you, um, what, if you want to talk about those things that you believe will help us on the journey to anti-racism, racism culture, I need you to use this particular language um, and I need you to do it this way. So this is the thing I have now. Now, I'm sorry. At what point was does the line of white fragility get to this point of like. I, of of. Just this disrespect of integrity of the work. Like, I understand, I mean, this is a two-tiered thing for me, and you guys know how I am. I'm just going to talk to you how it's coming to me. So, like, the two-tier thing is, is this. I know that there are people who do this work who shouldn't be doing this work. I've seen it myself. <laughs> I've been in the audience of, like, that was cringy in terms of how they are trying to connect the information. I've heard from other people of you know providers and equity workers having white people stand up and like say things that can feel derogatory that can feel punitive that have like a kind of punitive sense to it which obviously is not the way people are going to learn information it's just kind of like a control switch going on there which i don't think is cool um so there's that I, I get that, but at what point are you white folks going to realize that a professional, to how to recognize a professional? And I and I do think that there's when you talk about race, when you're talking about racism, and you are listening to a black woman talk, and what you hear is aggressiveness, and you hear a point of of um, directness that you're just not comfortable with. You're really re-articulating your racism and, and your fragility and not actually seeing the fact that you are talking to a man or woman or person that is actually knowledgeable about what the subject matter is. And when you're knowledgeable about something, there's very few things in between that you have to negotiate, right? Like you, you definitely are open to learn at all times, but when you're hiring a professional, let a professional be a professional. But because this is a black person, who you're hiring, all of a sudden there's these extra, these extra steps that you have to take in order to find that th that person is, is, is credible. And you know, hey, you're spending your money, I'm all for it. But I'm just saying, keep the same energy for everyone that you're hiring, right? Like, you know, it's, it's kind of that idea of like, once you understand that this work is going to ask you to step out of your own comfort zone, you're like, oh, but wait, is that legit? Like, is that something I should be doing? Is that what I, I don't know, I'm uncomfortable now, so I kind of want to go somewhere else. 
that's okay. That's your choice, but you need to understand what you're choosing. What you're choosing is not to confront your discomfort with your own racism. You're choosing not to confront uh, your discomfort with change and progress. You're, cho you're choosing to confront, um, to choose not to confront um, your stereotypical ideas of what leadership looks like coming from a person of color. That's all what is, ha is happening. You have, if you have a way of hiring someone or you have a way of talking to somebody about race and you're uncomfortable, that is on you. If someone is demeaning you, now there's a difference between com being uncomfortable and, and being vulnerable, right? Like the uncomfortability is vulnerable. I mean, that, you, you gotta be able to step into that. Um, and so if you're not willing to have a conversation with and allowing someone to do their job, which is like lead you through conversations that may not feel like like um, empowering to you. <laughs> um, I'm not saying that they, they the, the conversation can't be empowering. What I'm saying is that when you hire a black person and then you want to critique how a black person shows up, I need you to position yourself a little differently. Once you've hired someone that is a professional contract. So what I'm saying, when there's something that's unprofessional happening, by all means, do what you got to do. But because you don't like what you're hearing, that is not an indication of non, uh, something that's unprofessional. That's not that indication. Like I've had people come to me and be like, this is what has happened to me. And because they've given me the money, I almost have to do exactly what they're asking me to do. But what they're asking me to do is curtail and, and kind of, compromise the lesson plan so that they can be comfortable with the material white folks that's not how it works racism is not going to be something that you are going to be like yay let's talk about racism that's not how it's going to be you are going to be uncomfortable because racism is uncomfortable right i mean it's uncomfortable for everyone so for you to be to tell the person that you have hired look you can talk about these things but you can't talk about that thing because we're not ready let them decide what the curriculum should be because they might get you ready. You may be surprised at the efficacy that you have to actually get to the point where that you can talk about racism. You might actually get there if you allow a black person who is an educator educate you in the way that they find most uh, uh, effective and you can just get over the idea that you're uncomfortable with words like white supremacy. You don't as soon as you hear white supremacy and you go, oh, I don't want, I don't want black people to punish me. Like, I don't want to hear that they think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a white supremacist. I, I don't want, first of all, how about you understand that you don't know? This is something that you don't understand. That's what the difference between a race, educa uh, race equity, uh, you know, any kind, gender, any kind of educator has information for you that you don't know. We can actually unpack these trigger words, and I'm air quoting those for who are on my podcast listening, trigger words that are causing people to be feel insecure because it might touch something that's very real for them right um so i'm just i as i'm going through this and as i'm listening to co colleagues come to me and talk to me about the abuse that they are taking from their white um from their white clients and from ceos and directors and and nonprofit, you know um executive directors who are abusive because what they're doing is saying, hey, look, black person, come in here and, and give us what we want. But let me tell you what, you're not going to do what you think you're going to do. What you're going to do is what we can what we can handle and what we're going to put up with. All right. First of all, you're going to do what we can put up with. 
And, and if you make us uncomfortable at all at any point, I'm cutting this contract out. Now, uncomfortable, right, is a part of this work. Facing definitions that might sound like your life experience is part of this work. That's the whole point, is that you're actually looking at things that we have believed to be true in the past that have falsehood around it that's clouding, clouding behavior so that you can, it's like, so that you can see forward into progress, so that you can actually try to close the cognitive dissonance, so that you can unpack it, so that you can go forward in an in a informed manner, so that you can have context to your privilege, so that you can understand you have privilege. None of that's a comfortable conversation, right? But for, for people to, to um, just decide that they want to say that they are, that they are working on inclusive measures, that they are creating inclusive measures, but don't want to do those inclusive measures within themselves, that's bullshit. It's performative action and it's not okay. So if you are somebody of privilege who is wanting to do this work, but you're like, I'm doing this work at work, then you are part of the problem. Because you have got to understand that the work that you do at work has no intent, has no no impact at all to the people that you're actually trying to serve when you don't believe in it yourself, right? So so stop bullshitting everybody. Just don't do it. Say I'd, I'm much more comfortable in my privilege, with my privilege, with my racism, with my comfortable diet racism, it's because and, and this is something that I've always said to people that it's like, look. Racism is on a spectrum. Racism is on a spectrum. You're a racist if you believe that you have the right to continue with how you've been operating since 1985, since 1995, and ain't nothing wrong with it. Although you've heard all the complaints of all the native folks, you've heard all the complaints of all the black people, but you just feel like, you know, they just need to get their shit together and we could all work together. That's actually, when you have the opportunity to know better and do better, that's, you're, you're choosing your privilege which in the context of the United States is racist, right? So, so in, in the context of cultural privilege and ethnic privilege and institutional privilege and all of the things that go along with whiteness, you're choosing racism. So look, you don't have to be QAnon. You don't have to be Trump. You don't have to be the Tea Party. You don't have to be um, you know, any of those people, KKK, to be racist and perpetuate white supremacy. You don't have to do that. Um, but, and I'm not saying that you have to go 100% being into like, oh, yay, you know, everyone can do whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm not even convincing people to do that. I don't care about how far you go. But what I do care about is that you understand that what you're not doing is, is embracing inclusivity while you're throwing up a Black Lives Matter sign. That is what I'm saying. If you're not going to do the work on a personal level and understand how you actually um, relate to racism, how you feel about black people when no, no black people are around, that's where your connection to racism is. Not how many policies that you have tried to overlook and see. And You're not willing to decenter yourself. If someone says white supremacy to you and you go, oh, hey, oh, hey, no reason to be using that kind of language, that is the problem for you, right? And if you're willing to, like, curve your, in, your involvement in progress because words like white fragility 
and words like white supremacy and words like saviorism might are are um, are triggering for you and you feel attacked and I'm air quoting again attacked um, yeah you're not ready to face your own racism that's the truth you're not ready you're comfortable in your in your privilege and you're comfortable in your racism that's okay as long as you understand that don't come acting like you're inclusive and trying to create inclusive spaces if you're not an inclusive space this is not you can't this is the top you what you're gonna do is create a toxic space if you have um, if you don't understand what your relationship is to black people with no black people around you like well I grew up in Oregon I grew up in Eugene I grew up in Wisconsin and there has never been black people around I've never had them around I, them I've never um, experienced you know relationships does that mean that you can that that you have the right to stay ignorant about your privilege I'm sorry Eugene is not a micro I mean Eugene is not a, in a vacuum it's a part of a whole global world that exists with other humans in it right so when one person of color black white i mean black brown uh, indigenous however you want to categorize people of color walk through that space and you have not done internal conversations about how you would respond or at least how you actually feel about that you are creating a toxic space for that person to deal with and then their reaction to that space is something that you think that you have the right to judge this is the problem so if we really want to get on the same page of moving forward and recognizing each other in a human, with humanity, like I say almost every freaking show, white privilege and white uh, and white nationalism and uh, an inequity of race and culture is a white problem. So so that means that besides just reading the books and knowing the language, you actually have to look inside yourself and be like, what do I think? Why don't I, you know? have black owned anything in my house like why do i feel like when i go to a black neighborhood i'm like going on an adventure or i feel like i'm like going out of my you know i, I feel so out of my comfort zone and that's fine to begin with if you're trying but like that's just like an adventure to go into somebody else's space and 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 see how it happens you got to understand what othering looks like you know even when you think that you're you're a really cool person you're, and you're and you're like super progressive in this idea and you're still othering the experience of somebody else it's confusing when people are actually trying to learn this work and they're doing this work and they're it's confusing for white folks to actually be able to uh, uh, switch that narrative when they are not decentered in their own in their own belief system about white supremacy if you can't decenter yourself meaning that every narrative that you have puts you in the middle of it if you can't take yourself out of the middle of it and actually hear other people's experience in their power as if they have a decision making, uh, that, that they have power to make their own decisions and that they have um, efficacy, which is like, you know, the power to say this is right and or this is wrong. And we can, the, the community can acquiesce to that change. If you don't see that as viable or, or, or valuable, you know, that's a relationship to racism that if you're questioning whether or not you've hired a black woman and that black woman wants to talk to you about something you find to be very uncomfortable and you're going, ah, you know what? I, I'm not, I don't think that I'm comfortable with black talking about this with black people or you or anyone. If you're going to be using that language, that language is a part of the curriculum, sis. I'm sorry. That, I mean, that's like me talking to like my science teacher being like, oh, I don't, you know what? I don't know about talking about cellular levels when you're using, you know, 
male and female and, and blah, blah, blah. I, it, could you just like not name that that and do something different so that I can learn that material? Because this is I'm uncomfortable with the cellular language. I'm I'm uncomfortable with it. You don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. What you get to do is learn the language, and if you can't handle the language, that's okay. Don't do it. If you can't handle the language, just the language. Like there's nothing else that's happened. It's just language. Like we just said the word, right? And language, yes, don't get me wrong, language is extremely powerful. But we're talking vocabulary. We're talking about definitions, right? So if you are afraid to being defined into whiteness, and that is your stumbling block because you don't want to be defined under whiteness when you live a privileged white life, you're right. We can't go any further because you got to start right there, right? I, you, that's where you need to start. Because that in itself is why you cannot move forward and why your spaces are not inclusive. Because you don't get it on your own internal self. You have a relationship to racism. Everyone does. Black people have a relationship to white supremacist culture. We do. We are, we are deconstructing white supremacist culture for those who are, who are privy to it, are trying to deconstruct it in the, in the same fashion that white people are. It's just a different story. We got different things to work out, right? We got different um, realizations to come to. White supremacist culture is what needs to be deconstructed no matter what direction you're coming from. But if you can't handle hearing the words white supremacist culture, who, what, 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 are we, what are we doing? What can we possibly do? All I'm saying is look, people are spending real good money to get these conversations happening. And I need people to understand that these conversations have to be on a personal level at some point. You're gonna have to take the you're gonna have to take the 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 moment that someone says something to you that might reflect your privilege. Because white supremacy has everything to do with your privilege. And if you can't handle talking directly about your privilege, you really can't handle an inclusive space. Because everything about that inclusive space is going to threaten what you don't even want to talk about. You don't even want to mention. So it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So sit down with yourself and be like, hey, can I really not? I mean, when, when I hear racism, I want to fight. I want to I feel like you're trying to attack me. When I hear, you know, white supremacists, I feel like you're trying to pin me with KKK members. And now I want to get like, I need some clarification. I need you to make me feel better about this. I need you to tell me that's not what you think. I need you to tell me that I'm not that per bad person. I need you to tell me, no, that's not how this works. You need to d have this discussion within yourself to find out where in the, in the spectrum of racism do you happily stay in so that you can continue the cognitive dissonance of the harm that it is doing to, your, to that one black coworker that you have in your room. That's the truth. I'm sorry, not sorry. And I just, I feel like we're having a lot of progress. I mean, as I say all of that, I do feel like there's more people who are willing to have these conversations. But when you hire someone, please do the background check, right? Meaning that have someone, have a reference so that you aren't harming them by your inappropriate, invasive, um, really uh, very, un I would say unprofessional, and, and very privileged inquiries into your, an overly, an overly scrutinizing into your educator's 
way of educating, especially after you've already hired them. What are you doing? You wouldn't do it to anybody else. That, that in itself should tell you where your relationship is to inclusivity. Can you actually handle someone who's different than you just in the room going, I speak like this, it says the same thing. Can you handle that? I'm gonna bet the answer is no. Performative anti-racism is very toxic and it's very difficult for white people to understand that they are not helping the situation by just shutting up and letting it go. If you disagree with inclusivity, you need to say so. So we can then work forward to get to putting you in a position that works best for you and the company, right? If you're not into inclusivity, you're not into bringing indigenous people in, you're not trying to have a policy that, that creates more time being spent talking about uh, other people's issues, the cultural and ethnic uh, inclusivity, and that's just not what you wanna do, hey, I'm here for it. But, that, but don't be in the way of people who are progressing, right? You should go to a place that actually creates those spaces. Because remember, black people aren't here to convince you that racism is bad. I'm not here to convince you that you need to be a better person. That, my friends, is up to you. A better person means that you recognize humanity for me. Understanding the context of my reality as a black person living next door two white people would be, you know, a, a, at the very least, a neighborly thing to do, to understand the contextual, uh, the context of how I walk, walk through my day. When you're talking to me and I say, I, I have a headache, it's been a long day, I need to go inside, right? Or my son does not feel welcome here. Um, we just need uh, to have more representative, uh, representative teachers or representative counselors or whatever and you can understand without talking in detail the context of that without taking it personally like you know that is when it comes to being when you can when when we can uh, respect each other's journeys and not have to be the center of them right so that part that part for me is when I'm t talking to a person who understands humanity who understands how to move forward in an inclusive manner because it's not about who they are or what they are or how they feel it should be it's about what makes what makes the the group move forward cohesively so anyway i guess i'm on one today y'all i just i just thought like you know it's come up so many times that i should say something um it's come up so a couple times for me it's come up for a few times for colleagues um it's come up enough that while working, not, I don't work just in Eugene. Like I have clients that are in Portland. I have clients that are in California. I have clients that are in um, uh, Ohio. I have clients that are in um, Arizona. So it's not just Eugene, Oregon that I'm talking to, that I'm coming up against these CEOs and these directors who are um, unwilling to actually uh, talk about their relationship to racism and how they're putting this policy into play when they don't really believe the policy under play. It's very much about the dollars over the people. Um, and I think it's really important that we don't, we don't mess with that. We need to call into accountability the ability to have these difficult conversations, not to sit in the chair, take the note and get the credit, right? Critical race theory is under attack at, the very, at this very moment. Critical race theory is essential is essential to putting context to the to the history and to the and to the conversation that we have had about this country forever. It's one-sided, which we all know. 
and to have critical race theory challenge, and I'm air quoting challenge again, the ideals of what's going on into our, our, our system, um, into our school system, into the indoctrination of our children, into the mindsets that all of us as adults, I'm gonna say the a lot of us as adults are trying to deconstruct in this moment, I think is extremely important to understand if it wasn't something that would crack this, this whole can wide open, we wouldn't be having the response that we have for it right now. I mean, let's catch on to the patterns. Let's catch on to the patterns. This, the, the actual fact is that we would not have this response to critical race theory that we've always had, but especially now if it wasn't something critical to the, to the consciousness of the people, to the truth of the story, to the wholeness, right, of the narrative. Come on, y'all. Like, let's not fall for the okie doke. That's what I'm trying to say. The okie doke. Let's not fall for that. We can do better. We can do better. And there's people out here who are willing to show you the way. But don't get scared of words like white supremacy. Come on. Why are you scared? If you are nervous about that and you're like, oh, I think you're going to be punitive to me. Did you do something? Oh, oh, so you know. Oh, then we can have this conversation. Well, what, did you, what is it that you did that you thought that when I said white supremacy that 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 was talking about you and that now we got to talk, now you're scared that I'm going to have a feeling about you. What, what happened? What, what, what was it? So you do recognize your privilege and you do recognize that you don't utilize it for my benefit. And you do recognize that you would just walk past someone who was being racially profiled and not, uh, and not, um, uh, provide aid or, or, um, a video or whatever that you could possibly do. So you do recognize that or, or not. I, I'm, I'm confused just kidding I'm not confused at all but I'm just saying like what is it about the word that's triggering you and for the fact that that you're saying that you're not racist but yet just saying the word white supremacy is triggering you huh when someone is healed from their trauma that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore just saying just saying once you have moved on from your trauma racism is traumatic racism traumatizes people White supremacy traumatizes even the people who are benefiting from it. It's not the truth. Therefore, you are living a lie. That is never empowering. <laughs> so you, when you realize that that is the truth, that your whole existence of privilege and the, the way that you thought that you walked through the world was a way that benefited everyone around you or that just the way that life was for everybody, and you realize that that is a lie and it's actually been causing actual harm it actually causes the death of other people and has been ever since its inception and you feel personally guilty but not willing to ex to explore that cognitive dissonance and then do you understand do you see the, the the rabbit hole that i'm going down with that that is not black people's problem that is something that you have to deal with and that if, in order for you to get those words those big words you're learning and all these wonderful books you're reading that's the relationship you have to get past, right? You gotta get past that part. And if you believe you're past that part, talk to some, talk to some educators, talk to some black folks, talk, explore where black and brown is in your life, right? Explore what feelings come up when black and brown is in your life. And if it's always, I just love black people, or I think black men are beautiful, I, that's it, that is a relationship to it as well. That's not necessarily healthy. I'm just challenging the concept of humanity that everybody in the Pacific Northwest wants to hold on to, but not have the context around the lived experience of each other.
of each other's personal journey. Trauma is real. We are traumatized in this society, especially in 2021, from all of the things that we've all gone through collectively in 2020. We are all in a, in a flux of transformation, which leaves us all very vulnerable, extremely so. Some of us are able to, to give aid to some of the pieces of vulnerability and some of the parts that are opening up and, and spreading out um, because of this new transformation, because the, the door has cracked open. Some of us can lead in that space. Some of us don't need to be leading in that space. And just because they, you know, because white folks go, hey, hey, they're talking about you. Go up there, go up there and do your dance. That doesn't mean they should be up there doing that dance, right? That's also a part of a trauma, a trauma response of like, oh, okay, okay, I can do it too, right? That, that's not, stay in your lane, be honest with yourself where you are in the process. Tra traumatized people shouldn't be teaching this work. People who are still in pain from, from racism shouldn't be teaching this work. People who cannot articulate themselves and how, uh, and, and how this work is it functions cognitively, behaviorally, societally, uh, you know, and academically should not be part of this work. This work is complex, right? There's lots of things that happen in it. You have to be able to have a way to deal with what trauma is going to come for you and be able to separate that in a space where you can still provide healing. That's how that works. This race, race equity work is, is tr should be trauma informed. White folks are traumatized. Black folks are traumatized. Indigenous people are traumatized. That's not, that's, that's real. So if we're just talking at each other because we have something to say, you know, get a podcast like this. That's what I do, right? I just like to talk about things that I have things to say. But I have actually in real time, in real time, and I just talk about it all the time. My, my relationship to racism has been on front and center and, and absolutely um, transparent to my, to my journey to get to the point where I can talk to white people who don't like me because I'm a black woman and still teach them about themselves and walk away from that conversation in a way that has empowered the process of learning. Not necessarily empowered the people to be a better person. I'm not that, that's for them to do. It's the process of learning, it's the information, it's giving people what they can pick up or they can choose to pick up or not. My transformation from, from my trauma with racism has been evidential. And I'm not saying, I am not saying that everybody's tra uh, transformation into trauma has to be front and center and transparent, not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that even in our space, even in our space as BIPOC people, switch, flipping the script real quick, and white folks, to be honest, like we have to realize how, how much we can take in with our trauma. If you were traumatized by black kids and, or, or indigenous kids as a, ki as a child and, and that's where your context of racism is coming from, be honest about that and, and step into that trauma. Have you... Have you written off all black and indigenous kid, people because of the trauma that you've had when you were 10 years old and got picked on at that one time that you were the only white kid there? Legit, but is that where you're coming from? Deal with that. Deal with that before you try to pretend 
like you're inclusive. Pretend like you don't have a problem with indigenous and black people. It's, it's important that your traumas are put in check before you try to do this work, right? Because even when you are in your steady two feet, there are things that will come to you that, will, that would be triggers if you, were not tr if you were not healed in this process. And you could be able to take that trigger and go, oh, hello, I remember you. This is how we're going to work with that, right? This, that's what I'm saying. And so nobody's bulletproof in this work. Nobody is, 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 un, is like unpenetrable. There's always things that happen that get to people. But I'm just saying it's really, 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 really important if you're going to engage in the work of anti-racism as a white person who is privileged, you need to be able to hear what the work entails. You don't get to dictate how it happens. You can dictate how far you can handle it. If something happens, excuse me, if something happens and you're like, this is way uncomfortable for me, I can't deal. Cool. That's where you step out. But remember, that is where you are. You did not, you did not go further than that. That does not, not mean you failed. That means that's where you are. And that's where you have to go back to to continue. Understanding that you couldn't get past this space and why not? That's where you start, right? But for you to say the black teacher or the black educator has to do something different so that you can get past that spot, no, 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 no. That work is for you to do. That's on you. Now, it's very well that the educator might be a, a good fit for you. Maybe they weren't very good at their job. Maybe that's true. Possibly. But I'm still going to say eight times out of ten, even nine times out of ten, if you took the time to hire someone, you checked their references. Um, I don't know what your hiring practices are, but I'm assuming you didn't just pick up boo-boo off the corner because they were black. I certainly hope you didn't do that. I certainly hope you did ask for a reference. I mean, that's legitimate when you're hiring someone. Considering that you've done that, when they say something that you are uncomfortable with, is it because it's racist and you it's touching a racist button in your body because you have an intimate relationship with that piece? Or is it that the provider of the information is actually doing something wrong? I mean, I already know the answer. I'm just asking you guys to think about it. But I told y'all I was going to keep this short. I do have a meeting to go to for Kids for the Culture. Um, and I hope that everyone uh, has enjoyed my podcast this far. I know my podcast is weekly. Or you know my podcast is weekly. Um, and I appreciate everyone who tunes in every week to listen to moi. I appreciate that. Um, and if you could share the videos, that is also appreciated. And if we could get the conversation going about fragility and um, triggering words for white people and what that means to be triggered by vocabulary that has to do with racism um, and what that actually means for your personal relationship to racism, I think is something that we should really, really explore. I also would like for you to explore what it means to be, uh, what it means to be in a space where, uh, where you feel that racism has to do with the involvement of black people. And so when there's no black and brown people around, marginalized communities are not to be seen, that racism really isn't a problem. If that is how you operate, 
I need you to sit with that because I need you to actually sit with the idea that racism is not something that black and brown people are creating or perpetuating. It is a white privileged problem. Therefore, it exists within institutional uh, structures within white people who benefit from privilege, from white privilege, from that systemic creation of this problem. You don't recognize that. That means there doesn't have to be black and brown people around to deconstruct it. That's what I'm trying to get to. All right. Everyone who is here, thank you for watching me. Please share the video on as you can. I am moving on. I will be back next week. I have met an indigenous um, native person of Hawaii, and we are going to talk about uh, what they feel and how they see colonization on the island. Um, they will be either next week or the week after. I also have um, my son, Quentin Richardson, who will be on talking about manifestation. Um, and I also have coming up um, a conversation around... Um, Oh shoot, what was it? Oh, I forgot. I forgot the title of it. Anyway, check it out. It's coming through in the next couple weeks. It's about to be very, 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 um, uh, oh, I'm having uh, a couple folks of my, uh, friends of mine of the LGBT community to talk about the commercialization of pride um, and what this all means for them and how they are walking through the world right now in 2021. And they are both amazing people. And so they are going to be on my show. I'm hoping next week have the indigenous person um, the following week, Juneteenth. Um, and then we would have my son at the end of the week. So just letting you know, at the end of the month, just letting you know that that is all coming uh, to Black Girl from Eugene. So keep your eye out. Every week we will pop in 11-ish, you know, heavy on the ish. <laughs> and I will see you guys all then. All the comments here, I appreciate y'all. Uh, it would seem that most racist white folks are really concerned about what people of color, so-called, will do with their success. That's what, um, excuse me, Carlton Richardson, who is my dad, says. And they are very concerned uh, because they don't understand the context um, in which they're even talking. They don't understand the context of the problem. They don't understand uh, systemic, uh, how, how still they benefit from systemic racism or recognize what systemic racism is. And I think um, that is a much bigger conversation around the indoctrination of white supremacist culture. So um, yeah. Anyway, all right. I will talk to y'all soon. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a productive week. Uh, take time to take care of yourself and others and uh, try to stay grounded as much as you can. Black Girl from Eugene, Aisha Elliott, and I'm out.